0: Welcome back to Humans of Purpose, the weekly podcast featuring conversations with local purpose-driven leaders, leaders creating social impact through their work and fostering a new era of social progress. We want you to listen, connect and grow with us. Learn more at
1: humansofpurpose.com. I always think with marketplaces you're probably solving a more you know you're probably solving a screaming need on one side more than the other. And I think for us there wasn't a good way to sell your art online. And so I I sort of think we were solving that problem that, you know, we had had that solution was filling a screaming need. So we sort of have just built tools for artists to bring on other artists on that side and it's grown organically. Welcome back to Humans of Purpose. A bit of housekeeping before I introduce our
0: stellar guest this week. As you may be aware, it can be quite expensive and challenging to run an independent podcast, especially using a social enterprise model. We used to draw most of our revenue from our Patreon supporters via a community support model. Unfortunately, since COVID-19 struck, we lost 75% of our supporters, with just a few loyal champions remaining to the end. Patreon also lacked the ease of use and functionality to enable me to provide the sort of value I wanted directly to our supporters. We had high hopes that dynamic ad revenue from our podcast host would help us to cover costs, but this hasn't been the case. To share transparently with you the mathematics of the situation, it cost me about 500 bucks each month to run the podcast, not including the one day per week I volunteer on top of my full-time job to keep the show running. Current dynamic ad insert revenue and community support now totals about $100 per month. To further complicate the picture, but on a much happier note, we're expecting our first child in May, and my home recording studio has now been converted to the baby-to-be's room. I'm absolutely thrilled about this, but less thrilled that in its current form, the podcast cannot continue to run sustainably without your support. There are two ways that you can support us, both new. Firstly, as an individual, you can become a Humans of Purpose member via our new platform Supercast. Supercast. Supercast gives us both an easier way that I can share exclusive member-only content with you, including ad-free episodes, full transcripts of every episode, detailed email on every episode, personal audio notes on every episode, private discussion group access, and brokered introductions to podcast guests. If just 1% of you from our pool of 7,000 monthly listeners decide to join me on this mission, I can do so and take steps to grow our community and impact. My long-term goal for the podcast is to turn our website into a vibrant learning, supporting and connective community of practice for purpose-driven people and organizations. I'm extremely grateful to have run Humans of Purpose to date and would like nothing more than to continue to invest my hard work and passion into the show well into the future. To get your membership and support our sustainability, just hit the link in our show notes under membership or head directly to humansofpurpose.supercast.com. The second way that you can support us is by choosing to promote your organization, goods or services on Humans of Purpose via one of our sponsorship or promotional packages. We offer just 10 of these opportunities per year, and they enable values-aligned offerings to appear appear on the show, along with guest appearances and a number of other promotional perks. To learn more, just hit the link in our show notes under promotional packages, or just head to humansofpurpose.com and scroll down to the middle of the page. Now, thanks very much for your patience. Our amazing guest this week is George Hartley. George was referred into the podcast by one of our favorite former guests, Judy Anderson, who still has the best automatic email replies in the business. George is the co-founder of Blue Thumb and Smart Mail. He talks about his entrepreneurship journey on the podcast, but mainly about Blue Thumb, which is Australia's largest online art gallery. Now, you might at this point be thinking, does Mike actually like art? Why is he talking to George about art? So a few things stand out about George and what he's doing. He's been able to offer incredible support to local artists through this platform. And he's also just launched Blue Thumb Digital, which will no doubt become Australia's largest online digital art or NFT gallery. George is also a mentor and investor working with the Startmate program. We're having lunch next week on Wednesday, uh, one day post-release. So let's hope he enjoys the podcast as much as I did. I think and I hope you are going to enjoy my conversation with George as much as I did. So I'm thrilled to be here with George from Blue Thumb and even better, he brought along his own bottle of whiskey that we are now indulging in. Welcome, George. Thanks. Thanks for having me on. What a superstar. How did you think to do that? Were you aware of the human's purpose
1: whiskey reputation? It's a Thursday night and was, <laughs> as I was leaving the door, I'm like, you know What? probably take whiskey. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I love this guy because he he turns up to the house with a Patagonia t-shirt on and Allbirds shoes and I was wearing the exact same thing so I think <laughs> I'm thinking this is my guy. He's got a mullet and a mustache. there's a lot more hair everywhere than me, but um he's going well otherwise. <laughs> so great to have you mate. Thanks for coming. Um look, so much to talk about. I'm really keen to talk NFTs, art, supporting local artists, also your startup um journey really. Um take us back to the beginning and Tell me maybe
1: how you got into entrepreneurship in the beginning and sort of what you were thinking. Yeah, sure, sure. Um, So, yeah, we we sort of came in a roundabout way, I guess, like most people. So, I, uh, you know, my brother and I had always kind of wanted to do something online together. um, And... I, I sort of been a musician in my twenties and sort of an indie musician and, um, kind of never quite (laughs) got to where I wanted to. And so sort of went back into working and working in the digital field and then studied computer science. And, um, I was sort of making apps at the time and and he was in finance and yeah, this was back in 2011 when we're like, okay, now's the time let's let, you know, let's do a marketplace online. We liked marketplaces. Um, what do you like about marketplaces? It just seemed like a, a better way to kind of be an entrepreneur. It, it was, you know, it just, it was novel when, you know, when they came out online, it was like, this, this seems, this seems like they're out that the, it just was interesting to us, I think. And we sort of looked at wine and I, you know, as as a kind of failed musician, I, I was desperate to do something in music. You know, I, I still loved it. You know, that was my passion. Um, but SoundCloud had just nailed it. You know, it it, it, it really changed how you could be an indie musician. You could run your career. You'd get all these stats. You could kind of embed stuff easily. It was it was just fantastic. And I'm I'm like I, we actually number one can't improve on SoundCloud. And I kind of gen you know when you love software, it's a weird thing, but I I, I do love, love software so SoundCloud. SoundCloud is like
0: the zenith of the uh, of the indie artist uh, platform, really.
1: Yeah, it was, and this was in 2011. It was mm. still the UX was so good, and so we're like, okay, that's solved my dad had been a painter as well as an accountant and like a couple of my best friends growing up were visual artists and for, you know, for art, it just wasn't solved. It was like, it can't be done. And, you know, we were like, of course it can be done. You know, you can sell art online and it's sort of, okay. You know, it just seemed like the right opportunity. So, you know, early in 2012, um, yeah, that, that's kind of when, when we, um, started Blue Thumb and, we didn't really know what we we're doing, like like most entrepreneurs who start without you know any kind of experience in it. But um, I knew I, I sort of wanted to do the SoundCloud for art. You know, I wanted to let artists um, run and grow their careers as, as artists, kind of exhibit and sell and all those things. And I kind of. I'd, I'd known the joy of, of when it really works for you and you can see stats kind of appearing and, and people listening to your music. I'm like, okay, let's do this for art. And so that was, that was always the vision and you know, studying computer science at the time and I was working at we're Making Apps and I remember for my RMIT project, I made the Blue Thumb iOS app and I put it in the Apple App Store as... You know, once I'd finished the project, I got good marks. And that, I got good marks because I basically got all our best devs at Outlet. <laughs> I was a ter- <laughs> terrible developer. <laughs> Absolutely shocking. You're a guy who knows how to get the right people, <laughs> just, which is important. Just rounded up my friends. I'm like, guys, I'm going to fail this. I need help. <laughs> so they built the app for me. I, you, know, you, you took know, the I, credit, I, credit. I contributed for. a bit. Because, yeah. yeah. So, so we all got it. We all got an A. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, um, but Apple featured it. And so we went from a few users to 7,000 the next Whoa. day and suddenly it was a thing and then um like okay this is a thing and so then we still worked our jobs and for a few years we worked jobs and grew blue thumb on the side and then it got to this point where we'd been growing well every year but it was just bloody hard because we didn't have money it was our own money Mm. you know and we sort of didn't have employees it was all us and so we got to this kind of crux point where we said we just we just can't keep bootstrapping this as as a, as a side gig, and this was probably two years, two and a half years in, and it was like, how big can it be? And you know, we had some frank conversations, and there was three of us, Phil as well, and I said, I think I think this can be big. I want to raise money, and so yeah, we again, we didn't know what we were doing. This is probably twenty fourteen or fifteen, and we. Uh, I just thought, okay, our email list is big. Let's just try and raise money off of entrepreneurs who who are in the space in Australia who have big email lists and we can cross sell. That was that was the whole thesis. So we I inboxed the kind of the catch of the day guys, the luxury escapes kind of guys and a couple of others. And luxury escapes replied and said, <laughs> We don't invest, we just buy. Right, but let's have a chat. And yeah, and
0: I know a lot of people have been on luxury escapes and they bloody love it.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, it, it, yeah, it's it's an amazing company and what happened was, you know, they um they actually did end up investing and that was uh, Adam and Jeremy the founders and so they came on as our first angel investors and they actually knew what they were doing and so <laughs> they um that that was really pivotal. So suddenly we had a bit of money, we could quit our jobs, we could go on it and we actually had people on the board or you know sort of mentors who were at scale and had been through it and you know could kind of yeah help help kind of steer the ship with us so that was really a pivotal point and then yeah since then yeah we we've just kind of grown it to what it is now and so Australia is Australia's biggest online art marketplace and um yeah, yeah we um have uh, I don't know what I had counted. it's above 30 yep and yeah, it's, you know, since they put their money in, it's more than doubled every year. You know, it's, it's 64 yeah. times, I looked at stats, it's 64 times bigger than when they put their money in. And... Um, Those are it, figures that investors would like to hear. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a funny one because we never, we haven't taken institutional money before. Um, and it's something we might think about, um, you know, if if this year, but it... Um, yeah, it's one of the things, I feel like we were too early to really, you know, there weren't as many funds back in 2012. Oh, yeah. It seems like a different landscape now. But, but.
0: you found yourself in that space and you pretty. Um, you make it sound obviously like quite straightforward, sourcing, funding and everything like that, but you had a fair bit of experience because you had Sendy first and then you had SmarterMail. So maybe just take us back a step through um, that and also your, your kind of involvement with Startmate and maybe how that contributed to the situation.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, so uh, third co-founder, Phil. He you know, he was big on Warrior Forum, which was this funny like buy and sell like, you know, growth forum back back in the early 2000s. And so we actually bought and sold a couple of websites and c- kind of learned the ropes a little bit about SEO and growth. And along the way, we bought an email company called Syndicate, which was a nice, simple email company. So we sort of learned what it was to run a SaaS, I guess. And then on Blue Thumb, we built this tool that used... Data, basically, buyer data of what were they favoring, what were they adding to cart, to send them recommendation emails, and it was a really, um, it's like a kind of a super valuable retention tool. We're like, mm-hmm. holy, like this should, this kind of tool should should exist for other other e-commerce, and and it, it didn't. You had to pay enterprise prices to do that at the time. So we're like, why don't we? Spin up a company that 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 does this for anyone on a Shopify or e-commerce, you know, doing e-commerce. So so we sort of started this this company called Smarter Mail, which is like a um, yeah a marketing automation company that lets you use your data as a as an online seller to to do better email marketing, mm-hmm. better automation. Um, so we started that separately from Blue Thumb, and um, that was sort of I guess almost concurrent. So that started 2016, and then. Um, that needed money too. Suddenly we just, you know, you learn these lessons that oh, a SaaS actually requires. <laughs> it's harder to bootstrap than you think. Everything's harder to bootstrap than yeah, you think. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. So we then, uh, we raised a bit of money on that. And with Smarter Mail, we, we went through Startmate in uh, 2017, which was still a, a bit of a smaller program than it is now, I'd say. Um, but it was, and we thought, I thought I knew what I was doing a little bit. We'd been in startups for a few years, but it turns out I didn't really know much and <laughs> they it was good. They, they actually had some mentors who had grown these big SaaS companies who sort of set us straight straight away and was like, yeah, well, you know, you'd, they'd ask you a question like, you know, well, What's your week-on-week growth for, for your most important channel, for, you know, for acquiring customers? You're like, oh, I think it's about, you know, 4% like you think. <laughs> Show me the data. And you what is your cost of customer acquisition? Totally. What and is a cost of customer acquisition? <laughs> exactly. And, and they wouldn't let you get away with anything but a number. Yep. Which was such a good thing to learn. It's like, okay. If you get asked a question, you sh- it should be yes, no, a number, or I'll find out, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, show me the data, yep. you know? And so that, that actually was super helpful. That was 2017. Um, and that, that's gone well. That's, that's grown on its own steam sort of um, pretty well, that, and that's got a team of 18. Um, that's um, smart amount. Smart Yeah, yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, and that, um, as, as part of Startmate, it, w- w- what's actually been re- really cool is um, I've sort of stayed involved. So um we went through Startmate and then um you know uh, uh, maybe 80 months later I, I went back as a mentor and um it's been yeah it's it's been amazing I've you know probably seen more than 100 startups I'd say come through um and you just learn so much and you meet like you meet a lot of really really cool driven people that are doing some like bolder stuff than I would ever try you know yeah. it's it's really kind of inspiring when yeah. you see someone's like oh you know you know, we're, we're fixing cling wrap or like, or, you know, you, you know, we're mining asteroids or something. It's just like, holy yep. shit, I'm, oh, clearly, I'm, I'm clearly. doing email marketing. Yeah, clearly so someone out. has
0: to mine an asteroids and,
1: you know, yeah. why, why not you? You know, Exactly. Like. <laughs> and, and I really applaud it. And um, It's amazing. Yeah, so it's good. And, and I also invest in them as well. And mm. I, I feel like, you know, if I'm in there and you can see, you can see how good they are and see the ones that really grow, I'm like, mm. well, why not? Put do in you, a bit do of you um, what do you back more, the people or the idea? Oh, definitely the people. Um, and that comes from my experience. Is like every every step along the way with Blue Farm, No, you know everyone thinks this the, the TAM, the total addressable market is is too small. And that was the, the biggest thing we've heard all our journeys. Like, oh, no, art in Australia is too small. Well, the reality is, you know, if you have big ambitions, it's not. If you build it, they will come. Yeah, or, or the, you can grow the pies. Yeah. Like
0: if Isn't that part of your? Um, if you're in an innovative space, you have to grow the market. That's part of it,
1: right? Totally. And if, if you have someone who's ambitious mm. and curious and driven or, or you know, persistent. yeah, you, you can start with the smallest niche imaginable. Mm. You can start with a total addressable market of, of 40 million bucks. yeah. But as long as they keep expanding their purview, as long as they keep kind of the eyes go, go higher at the horizon at each step... It, you know, it's kind of unbounded, like totally. I guess, like, the extreme example is Amazon, yeah. You it know, started as a bookstore, bookstore and now yeah. it's half the internet,
0: yeah. Oh, it's insane, these big tech companies. Um, when you're thinking about the problem that you're trying to solve, I mean, do most oh, Australians wow. go to art galleries to buy art or to look at art? Because I'm not big in art, but. From what I see in film and from other people's experiences, they always talk about going to the NGV and then to like this, you know, indie gallery nearby and, you know, they might buy something or buy something online. But how do people sort of do it these days?
1: Yeah. It's a funny one. I would guess at the time we launched Blue most Australians, the biggest seller of art would have been IKEA. Mm. IKEA. Yeah. Okay. Because most Australians are not, you know, you're not collectors. You're buying art because you love how it looks. Yeah. And you've bought a home or you've renovated a home. Yeah. It's like for most of our, our our collectors and our buyers, it's driven by the space you're in, the home you're in, mm. and and a change of home or something to do with that. And so you know, there's actually you know, and we that's us as well. You know, I I I hate art galleries. I feel so uncomfortable. Yeah, like, me too. The, especially the, the pretend like. I actually feel the
0: same way about art galleries as I do at, like, um, really nice boutique vineyards. Like, I just, you know, the I sweating. don't belong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get the massive imposter
1: syndrome and I get a bit sweaty and I feel nervous. Yeah. Don't ask me about the wine. Yeah. It's great. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly right. And I shouldn't say I hate them. I just, the, the, the high-end ones where it's the same with, you know, a high-end brand store that has a velvet robe out the front, it, yeah. it's the opposite of of what we are, it's not accessible. And what we want to be, it's not humble or accessible. Exactly, it doesn't it doesn't help and welcome you. And so that's our opportunity as well. It's like we, you know, we sort of started from art art for your home, and you know, we've a, as we've grown, we've kind of welcomed more and more, I guess, name artists to us. Um, it's been interest some interesting engineering kind of challenges to kind of. To deal with the amount of art as well and how do you show the right art to the right visitor and you know if if you're an artist who's kind of at that point in your career where you're you're in the rare rare kind of rarefied air you don't want your art shown next to someone who's learning learning the skills I guess so that's been a hard thing to to, to solve for us yeah and
0: I think you know Building a marketplace, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it, to me it seems like it's a two-sided platform, so you've got to attract both the buyers and the sellers of, of the art or the artists. Who has been easier to bring on and who's been more challenging to kind of get, you know, onto the site?
1: Yeah, we we work at, at both sides. Um, I always think with marketplaces you're probably solving it more, you know, you're probably solving a screaming need on one side more than the other. Yeah. And I think for us, there wasn't a good way to sell your art online. And so I, I sort of think we were solving that problem that, you know, we had, had that solution was filling a screaming need. So we sort of have just built tools for artists to bring on other artists on that side, mm. and it's grown organically. And, and we've, I guess we've kind of helped foster as much as we can a, a community to help artists grow their careers amongst themselves and that's been really our superpower, I think. On on how we've grown, you know, we've got seventeen thousand exhibiting artists, and it's really been them helping each other. Um, on the buyers' side, yeah, that that's been the real kind of scientific grind and money, and yeah, it's you know, bringing buyers is is. Uh, and from what I can see on, on sort of other art marketplaces as well, bringing in the buyers is where you kind of have to spend on acquisition yeah, and, and really kind the of – That's harder to acquire. Yeah. Because
0: I guess if you think about it, every local indie, Australian artist, indie or not, um, would kind of be interested in getting more eyeballs across their art. But – you have to, the barrier you have to overcome with people and, like, your average person is educating them about how to interact, like, in an online space with art as well, you know? Because I think there's, like, there's a tangibility to art where people will think, oh, I have to go to a gallery and that's where I have to buy the art. So that maybe they wouldn't even be thinking to go
1: online to buy art. I'm not sure. Yeah, it's, it's. I guess we've found that that they are and and people do Google... Buy art online, like yep. that's that's a pretty important key term. But the the um, the trust of will this turn up and look as good? That's that's been that was traditionally our biggest hurdle to yep. to get over. And and early on, uh, Ed or Phil had this idea where, well, you know, why don't we just let people ship it free to their house? If it turns up and they don't like it, they can ship it free back within seven days. And that was like a really important change we did on the website yep. that free free shipping free returns mm-hmm. because that was the constant things like oh you know it, it probably won't look as good in the flesh yeah
0: so it overcomes
1: that reluctance exactly of, yeah, yeah because it's, it's it's kind of zero risk yeah and so we, we did that early and I, I i feel like they thought of it i don't think we'd seen it before um and yeah that was that was a bit of a game changer with with getting people you know our average cart size before we did that was a couple of hundred bucks and it jumped straight up to like above 600 bucks mm. Um, because suddenly people had a bit more trust that okay if this if this turns up and doesn 't look as good, send it home but like the the biggest piece of feedback we get is that oh it looks better in the flesh, yeah that 's kind of a pretty often you, we hear that the most, and so actually at the moment most of our ads that that we run or a paid acquisition is. The the campaign's called Better in Real Life, <laughs> Better <IRL. laughs> because That's, that's what of... I say about myself.
0: There's so many so many teams and Zoom meetings. I said, oh, you should have coffee with me. Much just... better in real life. <laughs> <laughs> Goes down like a tonne of bricks. Uh, yeah, no, that's that's um, super interesting. And I, it's sort of a bit like um, e-commerce in the clothes-buying world. Like, you know, ASOS were pretty quick to the party and the iconic was sort of saying 30 days returns and I think that was probably a big game changer for people and for them as well.
1: Yeah, I, I would say. And and, and when, when we launched, you know, sort of we were almost lucky that we weren't from the art industry. You know, uh, we liked art and, you know, I, I, I'd i been in music for ages, but we weren't from the industry at all. And we were – I think that kind of helped us because we blazed away and mm. kind of did did stuff that wasn't, you know – the accepted norm, and you kind of have a permission to break the rules because you don't quite know what they are, right? You don't know
0: what you're doing. You're just a startup guy.
1: Yeah, know? exactly. Yeah, you know, I sort of always had this mindset that that we can solve it with technology, yeah. and we're a technology company in the art space doing creative stuff. And so, um, you know, the biggest thing we heard for years was, pe- you know, people won't spend on stuff that they haven't seen in the flesh. Yep. You know, they might buy a $100 work. They're not going to. They won't spend in the thousands, and you'd hear this constantly. And then you know now our average cart size is, is eleven hundred. It's above a thousand bucks, and you know we sold stuff above a hundred grand. And you know it, it's funny. Like we, you could see Zappos. It's funny that if you told a, a Gen Z right now that people selling shoes online was revolutionary because no one thought you could buy a shoe without trying it on, they yeah. would laugh at you.
0: I didn't get into it until recently. Yeah, <laughs> but now I love it.
1: Yeah, I'm like. Shoe store? What are you from the like seventies or something? <laughs> yeah. Shoe store? Yeah. What? But you tell a kid that they would laugh at you. But back in twenty twelve, whatever you know, like that was that was considered pretty kind of out there. But oh yeah. Now yeah. it's so
0: mainstream. It's, yeah. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Let's talk about NFTs a little bit because you're about to launch um, Blue Thumb Digital and um, I've been annoying my mates to no end, raising sort of the conversation about NFTs and, you know, what is the value in them. And this is where I feel like a really old person. And we were talking before in the kitchen just about, I feel like um, my dad's walked in and he's seen me playing a PlayStation and he's just thinking, what? Like, I don't get it. Why are you doing that? And I feel like I'm now my dad with NFTs and this younger generation like clearly gets what's going on. But like you can see this beautiful piece of Humans of Purpose art, my local artist in Geelong. Um, shout out to Loss Green if you're listening. And um, I just think I have this beautiful physical art. Every time I come into this room, I love it. So maybe let's just talk a bit about what is, the, what is an NFT, what's the value of NFT in the art world, and why would you be in that space? as opposed to physical, or is it both?
1: Sure. Yeah, yeah. And I can talk about how we got there with Blue Thumb as well. Yeah. In fact, I'll, I'll start there and sure. we'll go into the Sorry days. about yeah. the volley of questions, by the way. Yeah, a lot yeah in there. no, yeah. Like, so back, I think it was 2018, my, my aunt, who, who is an art collector and has been an art collector for a long time, said, you know, what are you doing with digital? I'm like, digital art, pff, Nothing. Why? It's like, well, that's where like a lot of the interesting contemporary art is. You know, it's digital. I'm like, huh, oh, is it? <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> Whatever, <Aunt. laughs> and there's from that point along, sort of digital art has been rattling around in my brain. So and I'm like, okay, digital art, but like, how how do you price a JPEG? Yeah. How do you sell it? You yeah. know, like I and we wanted to do it. We, okay, sculpture and digital, we wanted to do it. Sculpture was a shipping issue. Digital was a scarcity issue. And we're like, okay, you know, we have photography. Maybe we can sell limited runs of digital as prints that are signed. So that was going to be our solution until, you know, we, we were spinning that up when NFTs launched. And suddenly NFTs, you know, from like uh, have solved how you how you can own, Something on the internet. That's really what an NFT, in my opinion, is. It it lets you own something on the internet and prove ownership because it's on a blockchain. It's on a public blockchain. I own this thing. So it's uh, it's inherently connected connected to the concept and the mechanism of the blockchain. Yeah, exactly right. You know, like you know, most of them, I guess, are on Ethereum blockchain. There's others, but effectively, there's there's this ledger. You know, this this database or a ledger of of kind of. Um, with NFTs ownership, and you can say this proves that I own this thing, like whatever it is, you know, something digital. And if you think in like really high level terms around, say, you know, music or or maybe audiobooks or something, up until now you're sort of renting. you, you Yeah. You're on Spotify, you're renting access to listen to this stuff on mm. Audible. You're sort of paying this monthly fee. You don't really own anything, but with an NFT, you can claim ownership of a song or of a manuscript if, if it was sold or or of an artwork. A J, it can be a picture of a monkey as a JPEG or it can be like an incredible like 3D animation that you can kind of get lost in and, and go, yeah, that sort of is – intricate and and like a, like almost a magic eye which some of the stuff is on blue thumb digital and so that's kind of what it really is an nft just lets you own something digital and so the cool thing is we, we've we've got hundreds of digital artists on blue thumb and, and for like years people have been kind of trying to sell and upload digital artwork and we we didn't have a mechanism so we sort of said no you can't um it lets us do it which is amazing and obviously there's like this huge kind of Boom, probably bubble in it, especially you know when you see the the prices of, of some of the really kind of trendy profile series and whatnot. but like what it really has done is it's expanded the pie of what art is oh yeah, like it's it's sort of like a conceptual game changer right yeah, it's just another medium that you can go very deep on that that's added into what art is, and like like I said, hundreds of our artists actually do digital art as well. They just haven't been able to properly sell it and, and kind of add it to like yeah, that they're, they're kind of you add it to to what they do as a as a kind of career path to to sustain themselves and make money until NFT. So that's that's super exciting. That's amazing. And so, you know, whether the bubble kind of pops, which you know, having having had Bitcoin for a few years and been through a few cycles, I you know I I do think it'll come off. Tell us about how you did well out of Bitcoin. <laughs> you promised you would. I, I yeah I bought some I bought some Bitcoin years ago in twenty fifteen and and a bit in twenty sixteen when a friend finally kind of explained in terms that I got about a a, permission, a permissionless monetary system that you know that wasn't say the us dollar that wasn't controlled by any one country this is just a a, a, like a beautifully designed system that has incentives to run it and you can transfer it anywhere and there's no way it can be kind of corrupted or or inflated Mm. or anything else and suddenly it it all made sense to me back then and so yeah i bought yeah, I bought some Bitcoin, just like a small investment, but kind of thankfully held a bunch of it. So, yeah, the, I, I've kind of seen the highs and lows since then. And let me tell you, there have been some lows. It's real <laughs> rollercoaster, isn't it? I, re- I, I remember I needed new curtains and I remember selling, I sold half a Bitcoin for like two sets of curtains back in the lowest point it got to in twenty. 20- 18 or 19, just <laughs> thinking what those
0: curtains are now. Worth. <laughs> do you remember that guy who bought, uh, who spent a Bitcoin on pizza? Yeah, you yeah, pizza? yeah. Lots of, yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. There's so many of those There's stories, lots of good stories yeah. like that.
1: But, but, but yeah, like, you know, I've, I've kind of thought it's been a mate. Like, I've been really into it mm. since then. And, you know, when Ethereum came up, it was, it seemed cool. It's kind of like Bitcoin, but programmable. You can do so much more with it. Right now, though, there's like, there's a proper, anyone who's in, you know collecting nfts whatever you will tell you there's a big problem with the kind of the gas fees the transaction fees yeah. on ethereum Yeah. and it's it's kind of like like untenable to be buying and selling you know affordable artwork for 100 200 bucks when you're paying 100 or 150 bucks in gas transaction Whoa, fee yeah that's really? re- yeah what it's at at the moment and it's kind of just i think I, i'm I don't know enough, but I, I think it's just to, due to kind of an overwhelm of the network. And we need to only- get
0: Vitalik Buterin in here to just weigh in <laughs> yeah, on this and solve this problem.
1: I know, come on, Vitalik. Yeah, yeah. honestly. Uh, so yeah, so that that's you know that's a problem, but I think it'll be solved. Like the you know it progresses and and you know the, these things do get solved, and some people think it's gonna you know there's there's other um, like there are other kind of platforms that. Uh, sort of on the rise like Polygon, um, Flow, uh, uh, you know, a few others. But Ethereum is where everyone is Mm. and it's where kind of, yeah, it seems like the base layer for where all this stuff's built. So who knows? I I, I don't know the future, but it seems to me that I I, I think, it it, yeah, actually I don't want to predict, but at the moment we're launching on Ethereum. We're launching Thumb Digital Mm -hmm. on Ethereum. Um, and yeah, it's, um, yeah, the, the gas thing is annoying, but, um, I think it'll be improved. Yep. And
0: so once you purchase a digital piece of art or an NFT, what, what happens? Like, does it just sort of sit on your computer or can you share it with other people? Can you give them like temporary access? Cause if it was me and I bought like a really sick 3d animation or something, I'd want to kind of show off and be like, I own this, um, yeah, you can have a look, but that's all. You can't. Yeah. You can't touch it. It's not yours. I own this.
1: Yeah, it's a funny one. Like you know, having been in art, like I think the two psychological drivers of why do you buy art are number one to display it, to like show it in your home, yep. to say this is this is my taste. This is what I like. This is who this I am. This is a Monet correct yeah you should see my money collection no so it's like number one to display the art number two is to collect yeah you know and these are two kind of psychological drivers for for art and most people on blue thumb i think are more about this is kind of to display i i want this looks amazing this is what i want in my home less lesser about this artist is you know on the rise and will be worth you know a hundred times what it, what it's worth today and you know, she, she's not doing many more runs of this or all this stuff. You know, that sort of collecting thing is is sort of less of a driver on Blue Thumb, but it is there still. We do have kind of a, a bunch of really high-end collectible art that will go up in value and, and the rest, but most of it is about display. And with with NFTs, really, at the moment, it's, it's very much, I think, that collecting drive. yeah. yeah. And so it's like you know if you're a kid, do you did you ever collect basketballs or play oh, marbles, yeah, basketball or, cards, bas- yeah, sorry, basketball cards, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know that, and you know there's that. Thrill. I still
0: collect stuff. I, I love um, retro Nikes. Yeah,
1: collect, exactly. Yeah. And there's that thrill of kind of like really knowing the space and making a good buy and saying this is actually worth going to be worth double yeah. and really kind of yeah that that sort of collecting drive is, is kind of pretty primal, I think.
0: Well, there's markets and everything for sneakers, right? So I'm confident that if I – I'm not a, I'm not a buy-to-sell guy. I'm collecting and also wearing and just enjoying the, the shit out of them. But if I was to buy like a really scarce piece of uh, NFT art run or something that's a 3D animation – what is the the kind of um, the liquidity like, and what's the what's my opportunity to sell like in the in the space? Is it still evolving or
1: no? So the liquidity opportunities are really good. Mm. Like, um, and that, it's actually really cool. It's, it's you know OpenSea didn't exist 18, 18, you know two years ago, and now is the the biggest art company in the world. So its current run rate is about seventy eight billion sales a year. Wow, like mind-blowing open sea open sea yeah and so they're like a, a marketplace for all nfts secondary primary all that stuff um and so the liquidity on there is amazing like for the collectible stuff um and yeah it's it's it, you know it's it's not that hard to kind of buy and sell on that there. there are still barriers to entry you know understanding the kind of um know setting up a like a, a metamask or you know a, any of the wallets on wallet connect there, there's these barriers that you sort of don't make it as easy as e-commerce um but yeah being able to sort of list and sell on there actually is not not so hard mm, yeah um but i guess just getting back to that that point about like collecting and display like and nfts don't have the display thing nailed actually it, yeah it sucks like you've got the you know you've got a kind of you know, a board eight picture on your phone. Yeah, you know, in in your rainbow wallet. Yep. Or yeah, yeah, yeah. It's Like it, yeah, So it,
0: there's wallets for the for the visual NFTs. There.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, a, a lot of the the like ETH wallets these days actually will will show you your NFTs, which is kind of cool. Yep. But it's sitting on your phone. So, but when we launched Blue Thumb, we wanted we wanted to kind of solve the um, we wanted to solve the display thing because that's super important. Um, and so, what we're doing with this launch in um, in February. When you buy an NFT from us, you can actually get it framed. Oh, cool. Yeah. And so what happens is if you click, like, and you can do it with a normal artwork, you click framed, and what happens is in the background, we actually send the artwork to our network of framers. They frame it and then send it on to you. And it all happens without you really knowing. You just get updates on the tracking. We're doing the same with NFTs. And if you click, I want this framed, we actually load it onto a bunch of these really cool clear NFT frames that we've got, and we'll send that out. To you will ship it to you free and it you know say it's a like an animation or a video it literally sits there and just shows you your artwork in, oh so it's like a floating plastic flat oh
0: okay so this was going to be my next question right like because if it was me and i bought like a really sick nft i'd be tempted to set up like just a big monitor in my lounge room just to play that constantly so is that kind of like what you're getting at it's
1: exactly what it is okay. and, and so that it,
0: gives it, you the display element that's currently missing from that whole formula
1: exactly and and it comes out and it's um it's shipped to you as your nft and yeah it, it, it you can display it like any other artwork now, um, now
0: i'm interested now you, now you've got me uh super interested okay oh wow so you're showing me yeah okay. oh, you have just shown me a really cool uh for those who can't see which is uh everyone, everyone. <laughs> uh, the two of us yeah. But
1: yeah it's basically you can get your nft frames
0: uh, george is showing me the, the framed nfts and they look very impressive so that's huge i mean that's big like <laughs> someone made this comment to me the other day that i think summed up my frustration with the whole space and not understanding it fully when they said oh you you've got a great collection of nike shoes why don't you buy them all digitally in nft mode um, or in the metaverse and i was just thinking why i mean, this verse i've got that i tangibly have them but i think i would think differently like if you said you know that humans of purpose painting you've got it's on a wall but would you like to have a digital version of it i probably would you know that would be cool it's almost like having something that you can take around and use differently to a piece of art that maybe you already own or would want to own but couldn't quite you know afford or something
1: yeah for me it's just another medium of art yeah I am not as big a fan uh, as, you know of the um, the profile art collections and, and you know some, yeah the, the the virtual Nike yeah for for me that's that's pure like who's buying quite- virtual Nikes. Well, I think the people who like collecting, you know, it's you, a collecting I, I collected basketball cards, I collected yeah marbles. I, yeah. it's just it's they're, a, they're all physical things though, so Yeah, but it's 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 a new age maybe. Yeah, isn't it? If if you collecting Z. digitally, collecting physically, it's yep. it's still, still like collecting, getting a – you know, get amassing a collection of yep. value and yep. the same kind of joy, I think. Yeah. Yep. But for me I, I just the digital art side of things is yeah, it's a lot of the art is just really really mind-blowingly good so yeah. oh i can't wait to um explore a little bit more so when are you launching blue thumb digital um february 17 is
0: um is the launch so we're recording today on february 10 so probably when you hear this it will have already launched uh, which is very exciting but not for that long so
1: yeah cool and it's, it's just at blue thumbs digital um yeah very exciting and um What's in
0: your house? I mean, I am just curious because you're kind of the man in this space. So do you have like a lot of conventional um like local local artist physical work and some NFTs or what's what's going on in the pad?
1: Yeah, I um I've got a bunch of um art from Blue Thumb, from artists I like. Um there's a couple of spots that I'm sort of still need to fill as well, which is good. Actually some of our some of our kind of um, you know, really keen collectors um run out of wall space <laughs> 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 I love, i'd love to buy more but um but i've run out of wall i need space. to buy a bigger house yeah, yeah, I know, big house yeah yeah, yeah that's that's, that's always been the bigger house yeah yeah <laughs> um, um so yeah no uh, uh, a bunch of like um blue thumb artists are all over my walls and yeah i've got a couple of nfts from these frames these frames have been really hard to to get actually um we've ended up having to go direct to China and spoke to a bunch of manufacturers and, yeah, we've literally sourced, we've gotten made ourselves because, yeah, they just haven't been easy to get. So um, it's funny. It's like this um, kind of logistical problem in the background, but I didn't want to launch without giving our buyers the ability to get it physically yeah, because I just think that's important. You know, we're really trying to um, bring digital to kind of, you know the mainstream i guess you know it's i just even though it's such a huge thing nft's it still feels a little nichey yes so we've just trying to make it as easy as we can and also kind of yeah like really you have the collecting part but also that display part's been really important for us yeah i love the philosophy where can people uh connect with you and learn a bit more about your work um i spend way too much time on twitter <laughs> <laughs> what's your handle uh it's gt hartley um, so yeah, you can, you can definitely see me on there at all, all times of the day. Um, and yeah, otherwise, yeah, just, um, just head to bluethumb.com.au. Fantastic. And last question, cause I missed it
0: earlier. What are your local artists saying about sort of the, the impact that, um, the site has had on them and the, the excitement about the digital launch as well?
1: Yeah, it's, it's been like probably the best part of the job and the best part of the journey has been actually. The, the engagement with artists and, and kind of watching our artists being able to kind of quit jobs. And we're actually building a, we're building a tracker right now. That's kind of like helping artists quit jobs, track uh, dashboard, right? <laughs> because I remember as a musician, that was all I wanted to do. Yeah. 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 Just that's piss, really cool. piss off my job. That's really cool. Be a muso. Yeah. I Never quite got there, but you know, we, like uh, our, our mission is to build the home of Australian artists and, watching them and more and more sell and enough art a year to get into the, this is a comfortable wage or much beyond, you know, like making a lot of money. This mm. is, you know, like really successful that that's actually the best part of what we do. And it's also helps drive what we build. So is our success has been built around kind of building better tools for them to su- to succeed. And so, yeah, You know, every decision is about, does this help artists sell more artwork?
0: It's fantastic. And I think at a systemic level, that's a really interesting change because, um, you know, art is unfortunately one of those things and the profession of the artist that we've kind of lost the value for. And, you know, they, like back in the day, you know, it, it was a profession, just you're an artist. So you made art and the public valued that. And maybe you're helping to contribute now to people sort of saying, look, this
1: is something we all need to pay for and support totally and you know there's there's these waves where you know anyone in a creative space had to rely on just sort of patronage to to get by and then you know you have these technological changes you know when the record came out and suddenly musicians could kind of sustain themselves from those sales and then then it drops off and then right now it does feel like a good time to be an artist not just with digital but also with you know with marketplaces like blue thumb and Mm -hmm. and the rest um yeah we hundreds of artists now who are career artists through through us and and, and other spots as well, but um, who are on us. And, yeah, it's, you know, it's just really, really nice to see. And, you know, sort of it yeah, our, our whole company is completely driven by that kind of mission. And it really helps, uh, like, steer the ship. You know, every decision you can boil it back to that. And it helps us grow, but, yeah, it helps them as well.
0: Mate, that's so well said. I love the way you've summed it up. And thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you very much. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you hit the subscribe button in your podcast player or the link in today's episode notes. Why not share the podcast with your networks? After all, 62% of our subscribers come from word-of-mouth recommendations and social shares. You could also leave us a five-star review and some kind words in the iTunes store. If you love what we do each week and want to support the show, you should join our growing community of Patreon supporters or consider becoming a show sponsor. To learn more about all of that, just head to humansofpurpose.com.